In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. All right, welcome back to episode 200. We made it to 200. It's not one before, one after. It is the 200th episode that we've actually recorded here at the Outdoor Drive Podcast. This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, Mr. Madman Mardik. What's up? What's up? <laughs> oh, this is a scary movie. <laughs> that was back when Budweiser was cool. Oh, Budweiser. Not even the scary movies one? Is it? I don't know which one came first. I think Budweiser came Budweiser first. Budweiser definitely no? came first, and then Scary Movie took it over on the second. So, all right, we're we're doing it, dude. We're off the we're off the rails already. So we're yep. off to a good start. Two hundred. Um, and as always, we don't have a guest for this one because things have been kind of haywire. So we're just gonna do the two hundred with me and Steve O. Who knows where this is gonna go, where it's been, and where it could potentially lead? I guess is that how we do that? I don't know. Um. Let's do some housekeeping, and then we're just gonna tear right into it, bro. What do you What do you say there? Because we got some really cool Let's things. We're gonna do the bow hunting league pick of our team. We're gonna go into all those good things there, and we'll tell everybody kind of how that that all plays out. What do you say? For sure. All right, Huntworth Gear, HuntworthGear.com. They are the official sponsor of the Outdoor Drive Podcast, and they are the um, title sponsor of the Outdoor Drive Podcast. Go on over to HuntworthGear.com and get yourself some great hunting camo the cam the hunting season is about to get started so you want to get that stuff now and get that stuff in order um for the early season and some of your late season stuff now is the time to do that nor'easter game calls nor'eastergamecalls.com go and see mr mark over there you can play around with the new grunt tube by far some of the best grunt tubes yet hands down phenomenal really looking forward to this deer season with them there is some on the website as i say every single week and there's also, uh, we will have them at the Hunt Stock, um, August 10th, 11th, 12th, I think is when we're going to be there. 11, 12, 12, 13, 13 14. I think it's 12, 13, 14. Yeah, so Huntstock, Huntstock.com. You guys can go check that out. Get your tickets over there. We will be there. Uh, loud and proud. Um, and, you know, you guys can Emphasis come. on the loud. What's that? Emphasis on the loud. Yeah, emphasis you, on the loud. We, we, we won't be hard to find. No, no, you you can definitely not miss us. Um, also, we have a new sponsor that just jumped on with us, and that's Latitude Outdoors, latitudeoutdoors.com, um, for all of your mobile hunting needs. The new carbon sticks and uh, new platforms, new Latitude Saddle. They were sponsoring with us before, but they ended up coming back around, so we get to have them once again. Super 
We're looking forward to them, and I'm looking forward to the carbon sticks, to be honest. I mean, I think that's the number one thing that I'm looking forward to. Um, Bowhunters United, bowhuntersunited.com. They also bring you the news for your crews. If you guys haven't signed up for bowhuntersunited.com, the link is down below with the rest of the sponsors list down there. You can sign up and uh, get yourself um, you know, a membership with Bowhunters United, the people that advocate for the bowhunting world. So... Let's break it on over to our buddy, Mr. Mike Salter, for News for Your Crews. He did forget one of the things, and I'll give you the news for this one. Um, recently, this past week, Pennsylvania, they screwed up. Their uh, licenses was all messed up. They went to their new program, and they their, their people were on there for hours and didn't get anywhere. So Mike Salter did forget that. So I figured that you, we could have news from, you know, East Coast Trev for a second there. So we <laughs> we give you that. Um, let's bring it on over to our buddy, Mr. Mike Salter, and then we'll get back to our normal planned program. Well, kind of planned. So, all right, here we go. Mike Salter. All right, guys. Why don't we buckle up and see what's going on in the world of news with Mr. Mike Salter. Hey everyone, we're going to start this one off in Delaware, where the trail ca- where trail cameras for recreational use have been banned on all state wildlife areas, state parks, and state forests. The ban does not apply to private lands. Uh, this marks Delaware as the sixth state to impose such a ban, with several other states currently considering bans. So be on the lookout for any proposals across the country. Now to Minnesota, where love them or hate them, crossbows will now be legal for all hunters to use during the fall archery deer season and spring turkey season this is a change from previous years where crossbows were only legal for those with special permits those over 60 years old uh or for use during the firearms uh for deer or turkey now to maryland where the dnr has announced the hunting license and stamp fee increases which were passed in the legislature these increases will take effect for the 2023-24 hunting season resident regular hunting license uh, has increased to $35 from $24.50. Non-resident hunting licenses have increased to $160 from $130. The new Sika Deer stamp will be $10 for residents and $25 for non-residents. And prices for uh, apprentice and junior hunting licenses, three-day non-resident licenses, migratory game bird stamps, and stamps and permits for fur bears have also been adjusted. Now to Montana, where the Fish, and Wildlife, Fish, Wildlife, and Parks is seeking input on the draft for their new elk management plan. The plan was drafted after extensive public outreach last summer and fall when FWP staff met with the public, landowners, hunters, and others at nearly 50 meetings. The draft plan includes changes to population goals, including in uh, in areas and focuses on population ranges and other aspects of herd dynamics like bull-to-cow ratios. FWP Director Dustin Temple stated this plan will serve as our guiding document for elk management, and so it's critical that we hear from hunters, outfitters, landowners, and others during the public commenting time frame. The draft plan can be viewed on FWP's website, and the comments are due by July 31st. The draft environmental assessment for the draft elk plan will also be released in about a week, and the public should also be reviewing and commenting on the environmental impacts of the draft plan. So be on the lookout for that. Now for some national news, where the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced last week a rule to ban the use of lead ammunition and tackle in eight national wildlife refuges by 2026. These refuges are located in Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Maine. In 2021, the Center for Biological Diversity sued the federal government over the Trump rule expanding hunting and fishing to 2.3 million acres across 147 wildlife refuges and uh, fish hatcheries. The Biden administration, instead of defending the rule, asked the court to delay proceedings 
in February of 2022 and in November agreed to a settlement with the group that stipulated the government would take wide-ranging steps to protect wildlife harmed by expanding hunting and fishing on national wildlife refuges. Under the settlement, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service promised to expand lead ammunition prohibitions in its 23-24 rule, which it has now done. Uh, there's legislation proposed called the Protecting Access for Hunters and Anglers Act in Congress now that would block the Fish and Wildlife Service, Forest Service, and BLM from banning lead ammunition or tackle unless such action was supported uh, by the best available science. And also, the Lead Act is also sitting in Congress, which would ban all lead ammo and tackle on all U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service managed lands and waters. The Fish and Wildlife Service rule is in the Federal Register, and comments can be submitted through August 22nd. So, and please reach out to your legislators to support the Protect Access for Hunters and Anglers Act and oppose the Lead Act. Uh, There's a big issue across the country with lead ammo and lead tackle, so be sure to get on those. Now for a couple of opportunities. First in Wisconsin, where the DNR will be holding an educational hunting webinar for anyone interested in learning to hunt black bears at 12 p.m. on July 12th. The webinar will be held on the DNR's YouTube page and will include information on bear biology and management, hunting rules and regulations, and the most common techniques for hunting bears in Wisconsin. Then in, in Ohio, where applications for public land controlled hunting opportunities will be accepted starting July 1st, these hunts provide special chances for people to pursue waterfowl, deer, doves, and more. Hunts for adults, youth, mobility impaired, and mentors with apprentices are all available. Species-specific hunts include deer, waterfowl, dove, pheasant, squirrel, and quail. And firearm and archery opportunities are both available for some species. The application does come with a $3 application fee, and hunters can apply for multiple hunts, uh, but can only apply to each hunt once per year. Hunters will be randomly drawn, and successful hunters will be notified by August 8th. Also, don't forget to check out the Outdoor Drive affiliate link in the episode description to become a Bowhunters United member and help protect and expand your bowhunting rights. As always, if you have anything to send along, it'd be greatly appreciated. Reach out to me at Mike Saldner on Facebook or Beard underscore Bowhunter21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. All right. Thank you, Bowhunters United, for that. And also, Mike Salter for the news for your crews. We really appreciate it. So, all right, Mad Men, we're back on the show. So, why don't you um, why don't you do something special? I don't know. It's it's uh, the 200th episode. What, what would you want to do on a 200th episode if it was for you? I would have liked to have a guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. These things happen. Because when we have a guest, I don't really have to... We have a guest. I don't have to do shit, but oh. just sit here and make smart-ass comments every once in a while. It's totally. I actually true. have to do something. So, with the bow hunting lead coming up, we decided, and we'll just get right into that because I mean that's more or less part of the housekeeping aspect of it. So, bow hunters league. If you guys haven't checked them out, bowhuntersleague.com. Um, they do a really cool thing. It's a free bow hunting um, competition. Uh, give away a ton of stuff per state. They give away mounts. They give away all kinds of different products and all. I mean, it's just nuts the kind of stuff that they actually give away um yeah it is and they have a leaderboard for state they have kings of tines they have i mean it's just a ton of stuff you guys haven't checked out and they also do a weekly bow shoot also um which they do which is pretty cool they do an elk thing and a turkey thing they do a little bit of everything but um they have a really good thing. We're going to have them on the podcast here shortly. But anyways, we, we're going to get our teams going. So we decided since we have – there is six of us uh, on the Outdoor Drive team. We got Mike Salter. We got Seth, Boulay, uh, L- Louis Fiora, and Justin Barnes, me, and Steve-O um, that we're going to divide them up. But we didn't know how to divide them up properly. So Steve came up with the ingenious idea of dividing it up just drawing the names out of the hat, right? I mean, that's virtually what we're going to do, right? I mean, 
Well, I mean, first of all, that's usually the only kind of ideas that I come up with. Genius ones. Oh. Um, second of all, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it only made sense because in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, it doesn't really matter who your team is. It's not like, you know, unfair advantage or anything like that. Cause it's, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's just for fun and we're all on the same team anyways. So what are we going to do? Captain's picks? Like it's the schoolyard and like, you know, try to pick somebody. Then I pick somebody who's like, we'll just put the names in a hat, pick our teams and whoever, whoever ends up with whoever ends up. That's how it is, you know? Mm -hmm. For sure. So what are we going to do? We're going to do your captain. I'm a captain and we'll draw the other two. Yeah. Yep. So right. I got I got the other four guys' names in the hat right now. So I will draw for you first. Oh, okay. And I I don't see in the in the uh Oh, okay. In Sorry. the screen right now, All but right. I'm not I'm not cheating. I'm not cheating. Uh, I'm watching. Watch. I'm so watching you. All right. I'm reaching in here. Yep. First for you. This is for you. Great. Oh, good pick, Mr. Seth Booyah. Oh, I got on Seth. Team East Coast Trev. All, All right. right. Let's go here. All right. Reaching this for me. JB, let's oh. go, baby. <laughs> let's go. All right. So, obviously, this is going to be the last pick. So, this is for you. And Mr. Mike Salter, Team Ooh. East Coast Trev. All right. So, so we got Mikey this is, Salter. This is, wait, where's Lou? He's not even in here. <laughs> where's Lou? Oh, I found him. Here he is. Hashtag, where's Lou? <laughs> and, I got, and I got Lou right here. Uh, so, those good. are the teams. We got good teams. Maybe we'll, well, we'll have to do a poll or something on the Facebook group. But who what team for, uh, people to pick which team they're rooting for? <laughs> Whatever, we'll have some fun with it. Oh, for sure, it'll be good. We, I, it doesn't so, really matter. They're all good people. They all shoot good deer. I mean, it is what it is. We're gonna have fun. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, it'll be for sure. It'll be a good thing. We're looking forward to it. Just something fun to do. And like you said, we'll have our own little competition between all of us, anyways. Kind of who who does what throughout the season. I don't know. I don't know, dude. Seth's putting in some serious work, so. You better watch out. Seth's always putting in work. Yeah. But so then you got I, I scared. Yeah, well, where's Lou? You got where's Lou? So that's like, I think that's, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that should be like a handicap for you, dude. You should have like three-point handicap or something. <laughs> I'll take it three-point. I'll take three shots aside. Let's go. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. I mean, it's it's just crazy. Um. So what do you what do you got going on for the season, man? I mean, like what what's kind of the outlook for you and kind of what you got going on and planned and so on and so forth. I mean, it's a, it's it's way too early to tell for sure, but I mean, I got um, I ordered a hundred batteries the other day because you know how it is when you run a lot of trail cameras, batteries mm -hmm. uh, you run through some batteries. So I got all of my reveals out last week. Yeah, but I still have like. I don't know. I got to count them up. I think I have like 10 non-cells that I still have to deploy. I usually, I mean, I'm in good shape. I usually try to get all that done by, you know, 4th of July weekend or the weekend after. Mm. So that's a plan in the next couple of weeks. And then, you know, I, so what I like to do, and I think this is a good thing for the listeners to think about, because I feel like a lot of guys accidentally do this on accident. When I do my po postseason scouting, I'm always looking for ambush locations or places where I think I can kill a buck, even if I don't know if there's a buck there. Um, that way, when I start doing my deploying all my cameras, when a shooter buck does show up on camera, or if a shooter buck shows up on camera, I 
pretty much already have the location picked. And by the time he shows up, I probably, excuse me, probably already have that tree prepped for, for the saddle or hang and bang or preset or whatever it be. So like I said, I'm ahead of the deer, so I'm ready. Trees prepped, spots picked, um, cameras, and all, I do a card check, say August, boom, shooter bucks there. I'm already ready for them. Now I just got to wait for the season to start, right? I feel like a lot of people can relate to, and I've been there before, that's why I know this. You deploy the camera, you get a shooter buck, it's end of August, maybe beginning of September when he shows up, Right. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, how am I going to kill this deer now? Now you have to go in there. Then you got, now you got to poke around. Now you got to find a tree to kill him in. Then you got to cut your shooting lanes. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe not, but now you're in there pushing them around, putting a bunch of scent in there. You know me, I'm super anal when it comes to that stuff. I want to be as like, you know, low pressure as possible. So the thought of me going in there and cutting shooting lanes and stuff like that, that close to the season makes me cringe. <laughs> so, um. Uh, and, and again, you can do that and be successful. I'm not saying you can't. I just personally can't stand it. So I try to get trees prepped, um, whether I know if there's a target buck in there or not. Right. And it's just a waiting game to see who shows up where and, and then base my time based on that. Yeah, yeah. I do all that every single time. I mean, that's that's the only thing I do right there. I mean, that's it. What? Wait till the last minute and just yeah. say, fuck it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I got a couple of spots I've put in so much time and effort into and just kind of kind of roll with that those punches. I mean, I'm not going to have much time during fishing season to be able to prep stuff. So I just, I have my little spots. I have, you know, that I'm going to be able to hunt and I'm just going to hunt them. You know, I know we, always a good deer comes in. Just going to put a lot of time in the tree stand, I guess, this year. I mean, that's going to be the majority of it. I think as the season starts to, re, you know, kind of roll on August, September, I'll be able to put a little bit more prep time into it, I guess. But, um I'm going to, I don't know, dude, I, I, bro, I got so many cameras deployed. It's not even funny. They're still deployed since last season. They just been soaking. Yeah. Just soaking dead batteries and everything. <laughs> they might, you probably don't remember half of them. No, I, no, I really don't actually. I'm not really sure where they are. And, and as you move them, like, yeah, I definitely, you know, I think about those cameras all the time. I'm like, where did I leave that camera? Where did I leave that camera? It's funny because I'm. I'm, I mean, you've seen my, my mapping and my pins and stuff like that. I'm, I'm pretty good about it. Like when I drop cameras, mm -hmm. I, I always drop a pin on the camera and then in the notes, I'll like, a lot of times I'll put what camera it is, right. Like make a model and I'll even put the date. Yeah. I know it like it, I know the pin, you can click on the pin. I'll tell you the date you created the pin, but I always just write the date that I checked the camera last mm -hmm. in the notes. Um, and I'm pretty religious about that when it's like a big camera deployment day where I'm dropping five, six, seven, eight cameras and just that's all I'm doing. Right. But then what happens is every once in a while you'll just move a camera because like it's just not getting what you want it to get or for whatever reason. So you move it. You're like, oh, uh, I need another camera over here. I'll, I'll pull that camera and I'll move it a couple hundred yards and then I won't drop the pin and like it'll take me a minute to be like, what happened to that camera? I thought there was, did someone steal my camera? Oh no! I moved it 300 yards over the hill, you know. And then you can't find but, it. No, I usually end up finding it, but I have to think about it for a minute. Yeah, that's the worst. That's the worst. I don't know. That's like back in the day with 
especially well i still do a lot but like hunting ladder stands moving ladder stands i can't tell you how many times i pulled the ladder stand and got the stand down and then remembered i had my easy hanger still up in the tree <laughs> that's the worst <laughs> and i'm not gonna rehang the ladder stand just to get the easy hanger so i just leave it up there like dude there's probably like 50 easy hangers and like random trees all over southeastern connecticut that i just left in the tree just go to Walmart and buy another three pack. I love the fact that I do the same thing saddle hunting and I'll just leave the thing in the tree and then I just sometimes I'll hunt that tree again and sometimes I won't. Sometimes you just go mm. there. There was one tree that I went back to like five or ten years later and I was like, oh, my hanger's still in the tree. <laughs> it was yeah. just super good there. But no, I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to this season. I, I'm hoping, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm i in the air about doing a travel hunt again. Like, I. I might, I don't know, I might, I want to go back to Ohio really bad, like, it's definitely on my things to do list, but I don't know, we'll see if it works out in the in the favor, or just focus most of the time at home, you know, like, there's good deer here, and the problem is you leave the deer here always when it's the best time, that's one of the biggest things about travel hunting, that kind of, like, you go somewhere else, or you hunt another state, or whatever, and then you're leaving the deer that you put all this time and effort in through, through, august and so on and so forth july august and just doesn't happen right i think think what i what i'm gonna do this year is what i did last year is i'll take my vacation when i take my vacation i'm not planning on leaving the state unless i tag out with my bow in connecticut with a with plenty of vacation left right Big, big if, but you know, if I find, let's just say hypothetically, I, I shoot a buck fairly early in the season and then I fill my other archery buck tag on November 6th. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm tagged out on November 6th right? with a ton of vacation coming up. I might jump States just, just to have another buck tag for the rest of my vacation. Right. But if I'm still actively, you know, hunting a target buck in Connecticut and I have a you know, a, a bow archery tag, then I'm just going to stay here and hunt them until I either kill them or tag out, you know? Yeah. I, that's a really good plan, honestly, because then now you're not focusing all of your time and effort in another state that you potentially can only hunt for a week or two. You know what I'm saying? And one of the things that's going to be tough for me this year is now taking on the new job because like we run until November 1st. So like, it's a little bit spottier in October, but it's still really good fishing in October. And then I'm not off the boat until November 1st. So, like, it's almost for me, like, I was going to draw Iowa this year. But I don't know if I want to take that tag until next year when I have a little bit more time and focus on what's going on and kind of a little bit more grasp of how I'm going to do everything. Because I don't want to leave, you know, be here September, October, and then the 1st of November, I mean head to Iowa, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I will take those preference points from you, and I'll be more than happy to go to Iowa. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nope. <laughs> I mean, I don't really see what the problem here. No, I don't know. I think I'm just going to wait a season, another season, and then just, yeah. just kind of use it there. I mean, I don't know. It's going to be tough, dude. I, yeah. That's when I start my vacation. I have to double check. I think I'm looking at November 4th. Yep. Is that first Saturday? November 4th will be the start of my vacation if everything goes accordingly. So then you're going to take the month. So three weeks. Three weeks, yep. Yeah. So 
I, you know, that's that's a good time to do it. <laughs> I tell my boss, I'm like, listen, you don't want me here anyways, because even if I was at work, I'm not really going to, like, I'll go fucking nuts if I'm at work. In November. November 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th. Oh, like, oh no goodness. way. Oh, my God. No way. Yeah. Speaking of the new job, dude, I'm telling you this, dude, I, this is, it's been an incredible season already. Like, we've, I mean, I had a charter today, and... We we got a fish of a lifetime. We got a 51-incher, 49 pounds. I mean, it was an absolute giant. And that's like the third or fourth fish that I've gotten over 45 pounds this, year, this week alone. It's nuts. It's insane. The fishery has been super fish, though. That's one of the only negatives. Like, there's like a ton of people fishing. And you're seeing way more people fishing. Like, dude, it's a, it's a Tuesday and there'll be 25 boats out there. Like, what? Really? Dude, it's that bad. Hey, like it's that. You know bad. what they say though. What? There's plenty of fish in the sea. Well, now that they're well, the thing, <laughs> the thing. Is, okay, yes, I agree with you, and I. This is where kind of like it's a debatable situation because they want to get rid of the moratorium of striped bass, so they want to close the striped bass season, and there's they changed the 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 limit from twenty. It's, it used to be 28 to 35. Now it's 28 to 31. So we, only a couple inches. And they they really just want to close the season all the way together. And then, but I honestly, I I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm stumbling over my words because I, I'm kind of a little bit, I get taken back by the situation. And I want to make sure that I say the right thing because like commercial fishery, they don't change the commercial fishery. Like the state of Massachusetts, you anything over 34 inches and those guys can keep 15 fish two or three days a week. But we can only keep 28 to 31. And then the dragon boats, each dragon boat gets 100 striped bass tags a year. Like, but then they're trying to regulate us at 28 to 31, one fish per person. Like, and they're saying that recreational fishing is overtaking, is taking most of the, the deaths of striped bass. And also Connecticut DEP came out with that one in 10 caught fish actually don't make it, which dude, that's a bullshit lie. One out of 10. Like, come on, dude. There's no way that one out of ten die. Like, I don't, I don't, I disagree with it. I honestly disagree yeah. with it. You know, I think it's, there's a lot of arguments well, to be had hold, there. Well, hold on a sec. You said that the, the, the drags get a hundred tags a year? hundred tags a year. Normally, yeah. New York, so, New York so draggers. They, so, so they can kill a hundred striped bass with their nets a year. A year. So what, what happens when they... They get their hundred and they're out of tags and they're still dragging. They're still killing fish. You just gotta throw so, them back. Yes and no. So, so a lot of the times, what happens is, and how this works is, the dragging boats from New York. A lot of the times, when the fish come up on the beaches, then they go in there and drag. The normal areas where they fish, they there's not normally stripers. So when they know that there's a mm. ton of fish on the beaches, they go up in there and then they get their fish, and they're over thirty four inches also. So all of their stripers yeah. have to be over 34 inches. So, I mean, they, I think they're doing worse on, you know, the population than we are. But on the same token, I think that the population is flourishing more than it's ever been flourishing. A lot of the documentation that they're using is from a long time ago. Like, it's not, 
they don't use a lot of the documentation used from like us charter fishermen. They don't use that documentation to you know what's live time now because there's no like like I don't turn in a report on how many striped bass that I catch or how many I kill or whatever. They ask how many times that you go out. How many times do you go out fishing in a, in a week? You know, like that's information. They don't even know how many fish that we're catching. So they're using data from one of the pieces. Of, one of the pieces of information that they're using is off of a piece of paper that's um, dated back to 1998. Mm. It's just, it's, it's just. I don't know. They're just. I, I don't feel as if they needed like. For example, so they turned it 28 to 31. Connecticut adopted it instantaneously, and they went and they 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 changed it the 28 to 31 inches. New York told them to F off, and they then waited until August 1st, and then Maryland told them to F off. They didn't even... Maryland or New Jersey? They're not even adopting the new regulation. They're staying with it with whatever it is now. So like it was federally it's, advised. Said, so that's federal. Yeah. That's federally federal, right? advised, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's just it's just ridiculous, dude. It's 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 the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like the fishery is flourishing more than it's ever been flourishing. We're seeing bigger fish than we've ever seen before. I think it because they had changed that slot from twenty eight to thirty four and those big fish weren't able to be killed. And now they're with the 20 to 31 we're going to see even more fish so it, it it's working but we already have a huge population the way that they talk is that we don't have a population at all you know it's just i don't know it's it's super upsetting honestly but those fish will still be in the river dude the temperature of the river was six, 76 degrees today the water and outgoing good- tide that's super high super hot Super hot. Hmm. Incoming tide would be like. Dude, they're crushing it, though, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, having the three I captains. See, I see all you. And... Wait, speaking of that, you know, you, you you touched around it, but why don't why don't you shamelessly plug yourself here? Like, you talk <laughs> about the new job and everything. But why don't you tell everybody like where you're working and what it's called yeah, and where they so, can find you and so, they can book a trip with you? Yeah. So, um, I do have a bunch of openings actually. So, real cast charters, realcastcharters.com. Um, I get to go, I got to work with, uh, Mike Roy. Mike was on the podcast in the eighties, uh, eighties. Yeah. I think episode 81 or 41. I can't remember. Uh, one of those two episodes, you can look them up. Uh, real cash charters, Mike Roy. Um, so I got offered a job last year to be able to, to go and work for him and be a captain and run trips and so on and so forth. And it's been really good. We have, uh, there's a good amount of openings. Um, I've been running the, the 10 30 to three 30 slot. And then the four four p.m. to nine p.m. slot, and then I run Saturdays. Um, my only day, my day off is Sunday. Um, so it's been super busy, and it's been kind of like it's been crazy for me. But like, it's been a blast, dude. We fish a lot in the Connecticut River. Um, so we fish in the Connecticut River June, July, um, and then August we go out and we fish uh, outside in Fisher's Island. And then we come back into the river around September, August, I'm sorry, September and October. Um, we fish inside the river. So it's cool. And we do a little bit of sea bass fishing, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So, but it's a three-man private charter. So it's been, 
It's been cool. Totally different than what I'm used to, man. Going from like a hundred passenger party boat or a six pack fishing charter to now this. It's it's next to none. Probably one of the best jobs I've ever had in the fishing industry, honestly. Like it's a blast. I've never had so much fun with some great clients. Like I had one gentleman today. Um, his name was Bill. Um the dude was a killer, first off. I mean, I'll just I'll start that off. Like the dude shot a hundred and ninety-one inch here, a hundred and ninety-one inch whitetail um in Michigan. Um a couple years ago, early. I thought season. there was no big deer in Michigan. That's what yeah, everybody from that's Michigan what everybody says. says. So it was an urban deer. Um, he shot it early season. He was there. Um, he shot a ton of great animals and whatnot. But I mean, I got to fi- fish with him today. Um, he's in remission from um, Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, cancer. Mm. So um, mm. he he was just it was just a bucket list for him to come up and catch a big striper. So we were able to get a real big striper once in a lifetime fish and. It was super cool, man. I've met some just great people um, that just do some great things, um, you know, that, you know, hunt all over, fish all over. Uh, it's a little bit more intimate. You know, it's me and two other guys or three other guys. So it's been, it's kind of cool, man, to definitely tell some stories and stuff. It's it's just a, it's just super cool. And I, I'm just blessed with the opportunity that, you know, Mike kind of took my dumb ass in. I mean, like <laughs> stories go on, like um, m- my first trip. Um, I was fishing with a couple. They were like on like an anniversary. No, it was a birthday party for the husband and they had gotten a hotel and they were up there and he wanted to go fishing. So they came out fishing with me. So the first time I'm like spot locked on this flat and we're catching big stripers, like big stripers, like 30, 40 pounders. And, uh, I go to cast out and I'm using a Trinidad, uh, Shimano Trinidad, which is like a five or $600 reel. And then it's on like a G Loomis uh blue runner blue water or whatever it's like 300 and something dollar rod and i go to go cast it in and i flip the actual switch and the fucking rod goes right in the water dude my first trip i'm like i'm nervous right like my hands covered in bunker uh bunker slime and this that and the other thing and i dropped the fucking rod in the water dude i sat there forever trying to snag it i couldn't find it this that and the other thing and then so i went back and Mike how was deep like, was it it was like 12 feet like i could have probably jumped in and got it but like i didn't. should have called brower i should have my boy don said the same thing he's like oh just go die for it so i didn't end drop up, a pin on it yeah i did so i didn't end up finding it um but like you're like nervous you know what i'm saying like i'm trying to do like the right yeah. thing and then like three days later and this is just like stupid trev's bloopers so like the third day um now mind you and i'm gonna i'll break this down for you the boat is absolutely brand new it's one year old it's a beautiful 27 foot conch gorgeous boat all loaded to the gills hummingbird um spot lock it's got big hummingbird like 19 or 20 inch um uh screens in it it's got a 300 suzuki brand new this year it's got like 300 hours on it loaded down with all g luma shimano gamagachi i mean it's got everything you can buy the boat is just loaded to the gills so and it's brand new so like a third or fourth trip dude i'm driving home and i get it all up on the trailer because we trailer back and forth uh mike doesn't live all that far from the boat launch so we trailer instead of instead of putting in a slip and then when we go to you know groton in in uh, august so I'm trailering home, dude, and I keep hearing like this ting, 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 ting. I'm like, what the 
fuck is that noise? And I'm looking and I don't see nothing. And it's funny now thinking back on it. There was like a piece of like white plastic in the middle of the road when I saw it. And I thought I just like had ran something over. So I keep hearing it. Ting, ting, tong, ting, 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 ting. I'm like, what the fuck is that? So I go to pull on the road to go to Mike's place. And I hear, snap. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? I look back. I left up the VHF uh, antenna. And I snapped off the VHF antenna, dude. I'm like, motherfucker. I'm like, how am I going to explain this to Mike when I get back to the, you know, back to his house? So he pulled in the driveway and he's like, how was the trip? And now, mind you, I've thrown the rod in. I've had other little instances. You know what I'm saying? So, like, this does not look good. And I'm nervous as shit. And so I get back and I'm like, Mike, I says, I says, trip was real great. I says, but um, I broke something. He's like, what'd you break? I go, look. And he's like, come on. I'm like, yeah, dude. I said, I left the VHF thing up. He's like, dude. He goes, there's a learning curve to it, man. He says, don't worry about it. Everything will be fine, man. So I went down to West Marine and I bought a brand new VHF antenna for him. And I, uh, we, he installed it, actually. I didn't. Uh, he installed it and put it on. But I'll tell you this much. I'll never forget to put the VHF antenna down ever never. again, dude. <laughs> never again will I ever forget to put down. Like, it's just, it's just one of those things. But. It's been a lot of yep. fun, dude. I cannot wait to be to July, end of July and August, like the best two times of the year, especially we'll be fishing in very good areas um in that we're, we fish in the Atlantic Ocean uh those those two that those two months. So the end of July, August, it's just one of the best areas to fish and that's when we get like some giant fish. I don't know how we're going to get any bigger fish than the fish that we already started to catch. Um it's pretty yeah cool. i noticed that i was saying that to you yesterday like just following you guys on social media like you guys are pretty much posting up a slob every day and like i follow other local charters in the area and like no offense to them i don't see anybody that's that's posting fish like you guys are posting up right now so a lot of those big fish so right now i mean we we're getting the big migration of fish and they go up the river and so on and so forth and, you know drop out of the river so they go up the river and then that now is the time when they fall out of the river and they're on the bunker so we're using a lot bigger live bait um some of these other guys and other charter guys the six-pack trolling guys they're on reefs with smaller fish they're not going to see their bigger fish until july or august um, so that's when you'll see that we have their fish now. Then the fish drop out of the river. They're on the reefs, mm. those big fish. And then that's when those people will start to get the bigger fish. But it's, I don't know, the past two or three years, man, the fishing has just been absolutely incredible. The stripers are just some giant stripers around. I mean, it's 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 something else to be to be said, like, to be able to go out there and, like, guys, catch and I've been, you know, I've been very lucky. I have like a horseshoe up my ass when it comes to striped bass because like I've just been around big striped bass for a very long time. And it's just something that I've always focused on and fished for for a very long time and understood. And like my thing was light tackle fishing. Like I had my own little center console and I would fish like with eels and I did very well. I've caught a lot of big fish uh, north of 40 um, I've even, 
we've caught a 60 pounder on my boat before, um, locally too, which there's the block Island fish with those guys catch giants all the time. 50 pounds is just an average, an average fish. And it's supposed to be that once in a lifetime fish. When you catch a 50 pounder, 50 pounders is a once in a lifetime fish. Like you, like your end goal, like to, to put it for the whitetail guys to shoot a 200 inch is that once in a lifetime opportunity and that's like your one goal to shoot is a 200 inch. That's the same for striped bass. 50 pounds or more is a once in a lifetime. It's not something that should be torn up and put, put like kind of thrown away like a 125. Like the, a 50 pound margin of a fish is so it's, it's just one of those achievable goals as a fisherman is to catch those fish. And like they throw it around like it's nothing. And guys are like, oh, I got a 50-pounder. Oh, I got a 50-pounder. Oh, I got a 50-pounder. Like, but like a lot of them don't boga their, they don't boga their, um, fish and boga when you're, when you boga grip a fish, like that's an IGFA certified scale, like tells it to the T. Like I don't, there's so many fish that I could tell you that were like, oh, that's a 50 pounder, but you put it on a boga 46, 47, 48, 49, Mm. like to break 50, 50 is tough. Like I was talking about this the other day with Mike, like, dude, we catch hundreds. Like I average probably anywhere between on average about 20 to 25 fish a trip. Okay. And we haven't broke 50 and I've done a ton of trips already have not broke 50 like Seth, our good buddy, Seth, that dude fishes two trips a day, five days a week. He kills six, his six stripers for his clients every single day, catches hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fish a year. And literally if he breaks 50 pounds once or twice in a season, that's remarkable. Like, so Mm. like, especially locally, you know what I'm saying? Like, that that's a fish of a lifetime to break 50 pounds. Like I remember days when I was a kid and catching you would like that margin that you were trying to shoot for was 40 inches. Like how many fish can I catch in Norwich Harbor that was over 40 inches? Like that was like my goal. Like how many fish can I catch over 40 inches? And I'd be like, Oh, I got, I got 11 fish on the season over 40 inches. You know, like that's a lot. You know, like that's a big fish. I mean, you're talking a 25, 30 pound fish. Like that's a big fish. Um, and then guys are just like, oh, I want a 50 pounder. I want a 50 pounder. Yeah, I want a 50 pounder too, dude. Like they're hard to catch. They're not an easy, that's not an easy thing to break, honestly. I mean, I've caught a, a pile of them, but now, um, but like that's the once in a lifetime fish, dude. So to break 50 inches, like right now we have. I caught, we caught one today. It was about 50 inches, 50, 51 inches. Our ruler only goes to 48. Uh, so it's like 50 inches. That fish was only 48 pounds. <clears throat> and then we got another one the other day that was 48 inches. It was only 46 pounds. But as you progressively go on throughout the season, like you start to get July, August, when them fish are out of the river and they're packing on weight, going back on their migration, it will almost be inches to pounds. So, like, if right. you catch a 50-inch fish, it's almost 50 pounds. That, that's what I always was under the impression. Like, that, that big unicorn fish was 50 pounds, 50 inches. You wanted to break 50 
both ways. 50 both ways. And that's you get that towards the end of July, August. Like that's when you start to see those fish that are that big. And it's it that's a hard break, man, like to catch a fish of that size. And it, the other thing that's really cool too, like with stripers, like they max out. Like 54, 55. Um I know a gentleman um that got a 57. That was 74 pounds on an IGF scale. Which is nuts. Like, dude, that's insane. Mm. The world record's 85 pounds. That guy, Greg, he's probably broke the world record. I mean, um, he's, he, I'm sorry. He broke the world record at 85 pounds. But he was, Mark, like, he was the guy to watch. Like, he was your Mark Jury here. Like, that you watch that guy because that guy's about to do something crazy. The other dude was Blaine Anderson. Blaine Anderson, he got, that he was that one that got the 74 pounder. He got 74, 73, 60 this, 60 that. Like, he broke it a ton of times. So, it was it was kind of like the race between Greg and and uh, Blaine. And the, those two, like, growing up, like, you're watching them. Like, dude, this dude's smoking big fish, big fish, big fish. And Greg ended up breaking the world record. Uh, it was not only the state record, but it actually broke the world record. Um, which Where is he out of? He is, I believe, he's out of Wallingford, Connecticut. Um, I think that's where he lives is Wallingford. I don't. I think he got the fish out of Stratford, um, but I'm not really sure. But yeah, eighty-five. In the pounds. sound though. Uh, I believe that's a sound fish. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Eighty-five pounds, bro. Like that's giant, giant. And the guy. It's, it's kind of funny because. You almost, I don't know about you, because I'm not a huge fisherman, but like, mm. you almost take it for granted that, you know, it's world renowned striper fishing right in their backyard. And like, people come from all over the country to catch stripers, you know, 10 minutes from my house, really. Yeah. And that's, so I was having that conversation today. Like, like, we have world renowned stripe bass fishing because, like, you have the guys in the Chesapeake that catch a ton of fish, but it's closed during trophy season. So, like, they close it down during the big, like, spawning and stuff. So, like, you can't even catch big fish down there. And, like, we have Connecticut alone. We have two of the best. Well, I'm sorry. We have more than that. We have three of the best striper fishing places in the country. Hands down, the best striper fishing ever. The Housatonic, the Connecticut, and the Thames River. Those three... Winter holdover fish in the Housatonic is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I don't know how many times I've gone there and caught hundreds and hundreds of striped bass. And then you go to um, uh, the Connecticut River. The Connecticut River has winter holdover fish, the big migratory fish. We get them back in September and October. Like, like top water action, it's phenomenal. The Thames River, the spring, the summer, and then we have winter holdover fish there too. Not to add the Long Island Sound um is phenomenal fisher's island watch hill um even race. the race well that's new york but yeah but that's still right there yeah. block island montauk like it's world renowned like right now the connecticut river is world renowned like you are not going to go anywhere in the world in my opinion and catch as many big striped bass than you are in the connecticut river right now like hands down the best dude it's it's phenomenal phenomenal like you you guys come like you said guys come from all over to fish here we have guys that come on their clients of ours from all over it was the same with seth all over guys would come here just to catch their big stripers um there's a gentleman by the name of dave um dave was on here fishing 50 um and he comes back every year to catch his striped bass here like 
that's he was just here last week fishing with Seth and Mike, like catching giant striped bass. Like that's what he does. He comes here to get his pin for striped bass, uh, trophy striped bass. So it's cool, dude. It's it's it's. I think it's one of like the least talked about things here when it comes to striped bass. And not only that, but then the canal, the Cape Cod. Like there's so many great things here. Like New England has great whitetails. Has some great fishing up and down the coast. I mean, there's, like, why? I think about it all the time. Like, I want to move, right? Like, I don't want to... Because you grow up here. When you grow up in a place, you're like, I don't know if I want to stay here forever, right? But, like, my thing is, like, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go and have everything that I have here in New England? New England is, hands down, some of the best hunting and fishing diversity, right? Like, you can... Go whitetail hunting. You can go, I mean, if you draw a moose tag, you can draw a moose tag. You can go tuna fishing. You can go shark fishing. You can go striped bass fishing. You have some great, great freshwater trout fishing, walleye fishing, bass fishing. I mean, literally, we have everything that you could possibly imagine as an outdoorsman right here in New England. There's nowhere else in the world that's just as good, in my opinion. Mm, Yeah. I trade in all those fish for some bigger deer, though. (laughs) (laughs) but like dude the thing is like there's some sleeper 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 areas in in, on the east coast man i mean like speaking for like whitetail new jersey known for giant whitetails nobody talks about them maryland has baltimore loaded with big deer washington dc um maine has giant deer but the thing is like maine Massachusetts, Western Massachusetts has big deer, like, but it's just not, not talked about, dude. Like some of the biggest deer on the East coast are right here, right where we are today. Yeah. I I think, I think the reason why it gets overlooked and and not really acknowledged is just because of the amount of them and the, you know, and the density. So they're, they're just few and far between compared Mm -hmm. to, you know, Missouri and Kansas and Iowa and stuff like that. Like there's a lot more bigger deer, but I mean, they are here. Just good luck finding them. You have to work three times harder to kill them here. Like that, like for example, and it's nothing again, but like the Midwest, there's five times more 125s in the Midwest than there is here on the East coast in New England. Right. That's, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Do we have big deer? Yeah. Do people kill big deer? Yeah. But the volume per square mile is half as much as what it, what it is out there. That's all. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Our buck to doe ratio is our bucks are, there's less bucks to does than it is, you know, per square mile in the Midwest. Like they have more 125s in a square mile than we have per square mile. Like that's all. But there's there's big deer here. Guys shoot giants all the time, dude. Like giants mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, look at Northeast Big Buck Club. I mean, there's more giants that go in there and you're like, Bro, he shot that and where? He got that and where? Like or even being at the taxidermist the other day I stopped by to see our good buddy Chris Brockett and there was a deer there. Dude, this deer had to have been one one fifties, one sixties, right from right here, right in the Connecticut River Valley. And you're like, mm. that was shot here? And they're like, yeah. But there's not, if you were to go to a taxidermist in Iowa, there's 50 deer in that caliber of class where right. our taxidermist right. has four of them, you know? So, like, 
that's one of the negative things. I mean, there, but there's a lot of other great things that come along with it. Like our deer population in certain areas, there's a lot more deer, but there's just not a lot more bucks. You got to work three times harder to shoot those bucks. That's all. And now everybody has an e-bike. So, like, they're getting in deep, deep, deep spots, and they're kayaking in everywhere and everything else, you know? It's just one of those things. You still got to put in the work, though. You know, at the end of the day, that's how I look at it. Because, I mean, you never know. I mean, there's, there's guys out there that you could put in minimal effort and shoot a big buck. It happens all the time, but... I, I'm just a firm believer in, you know, you got to put in the work. Got to work harder you than your neighbor. To... Right, exactly. I've been saying that for years. Um, hard work but, um, doesn't, hard work, hard work is earned, don't you know? Right. How I look at it is, let's say I just work my ass off from the day the season closes till the day the season starts, and I hunt every opportunity I have. And the guy right next door, maybe hunting the same property as me, puts in minimal effort, okay? Very little scouting, maybe slaps up a camera in August and whatever. He might shoot a big buck. He might shoot the big buck. He might shoot my target buck. And, you know, it is what it is. You know, that's just, that's that's hunting, right? But the way I look at it, it's not, it doesn't deter me from putting in the work that I want to put in because I can't stand being in a tree in November when the grind's on and I'm getting my ass kicked a little bit and I might be a little mm-hmm. frustrated sitting there all day. I mean, I'm talking sun up to sundown and you're frustrated and you're thinking, oh, I should have done this or I should have done more of this and, and just sitting there living with your regrets throughout the year, like all those days you slept in or all the days that... You know, you didn't go scouting because it was too hot and, and, you know, you just make up excuses. I, I don't want to be regretting that, you know, on November 12th when I haven't had the action that I was anticipating, you know, going into the season. Right. So I just look at it as I'm going to do everything I possibly can until the season starts and it is what it is after that, you know. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Cause then, you, then you're in the deer stand. And you're like, well, if I did this over here, maybe those deer were there. But like, what if they're not? Like, and a lot of things are gonna change this year, dude. I mean, like as far as like food sources, they're not gonna be what they were last year. I think. I don't know. There's a lot of that. I De- think. Definitely no drought like last year. That's for sure. Because last year was dry as shit. Yeah. Do you remember and- scouting this time of year last year, and we couldn't find the deer? Yeah, I remember exactly where you're talking about. And it was just, I mean, everything was like wilted in the woods. Th- mm-hmm. That whole, I mean, I had never been in there before, but clearly that was a creek bottom. Right. And it was not a creek. It was just a rocky <laughs> bottom. Dry as could be. I mean, last year was brutal on the drought. Yeah. Um, And now we're in a, we're in a stretch right now. I think the, I mean, it, you know, it's the time of year where it's just, you know, chance of rain or excuse me, chance of thunder showers, but I'm th- we're in a stretch right now where I think they call for a chance of rain for 14 out of 15 days straight. No, that's just because the weatherman was fucking lazy and wanted to take vacation this week, this past two weeks, so he just put it up as 45% chance of rain every day. Right. But, it, I mean, it has been. No, it has been. Water. We've been getting wet. I mean, you. I'm sure you've been putting on the rain gear here or there on your fishing Almost trip. Almost every we're, damn we're, day, I feel like. Right. 
So obviously that's so that's completely different than what we dealt with last year. I'm right. still curious. It's still early to see, but I'm curious to see what we're going to get for nuts this year. Um, well, again, like it we were can't talking, be as bad as last year. Well, we were talking to Justin last week on last week's podcast, and he was saying that his apple trees got more apples than they've ever had. Right. I mean, fruit of the forest. I mean, it. it you know, it's. I have a feeling that we're going to be hunting some big oak flats this year because of that. I yeah. really, you know, like that's, that's one of the, like the, like we had talked about it on the last podcast. Like if, if those areas have, you know, if they have the, if they have the fruit, then those bucks aren't going to leave those beds. Like they're going to just stay right there. Right. Yeah. They could be dropping on top of them in their bed. Right. Um, you know, and the, it's one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately too again, you know, I, I'm always super hard on myself and, and, you know, always trying to be better and what I can do more and, and whatnot. So one thing that I've noticed lately is like, I'm pretty good with historical data, you right. know, like trail camera pictures from last year, trail camera pictures from the year before, mm-hmm. um, and all that stuff. But then you really, if you really want to dive deep and geek out about it, like there's variables. So like, okay, I can go on historical data with the target buck from 2022. Okay. This is what he did. So now I'm coming into 2023. Okay. Well, 2022, there was a drought and there was no, no nuts. Right. So that data from last year could be useless. Mm-hmm. If we have a wet spring and a, and a ton of acorns this year, the deer can be doing completely different things, you know? And then if you go back another year, you know, say 2021 was just a super hot November. Well, now is that data from 2021 even different? You know what I mean? Because every year is a little bit different than the year before. So, like, how far you want to take it? Do you have to go back and find historical data from a fall that matches the current fall? I mean, to see what the deer. That's you virtually what you have to do, right? I mean, right. You'd almost have to go back to the last fall where there was a bumper. If say there's a bumper acorn crop this year, and it's uh, you know cooler than it has been, and more rain than it has been, you almost have to go back like three or four years to the last bumper crop, to the mm-hmm. last time we had a good wet spring, to anticipate where the deer are going to be this fall. Because it's way different than last fall and the fall before that. So it's like, I mean, dude, you can go all day just running around in circles. When, You know, the farther you de- dig into it and try to dissect and overanalyze all that data. Yeah, exactly. I, and that's – but but those are things you kind of want to pay attention to. But, like, how – what – there's so many other variables that could change within it. Right. You right. Know? That's why I'm saying it's it's like how – how deep do you want to get it? So, I mean, I try, I mean, I always like to go back with historical data and start looking at dates and try to make connections and all that stuff. Cause well, I mean, what the fuck? Why not? I'm bored. I, I'm always thinking about deer, you know, I'm always trying to do stuff like that. But at the same time, I think that's where it comes down to most recent data, you know, like, what are your trail cameras showing going into this season? Like, where do you have shooter bucks going into this season? Like, where's the hot sign this season? Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you do your scouting coming up into the, like this, this like summer scouting, we'll call it, like coming into the fall, like, where's the run that when you go in there to check a camera or hang a stand or whatever, like, 
where's the run this fall that's heavily beaten full of tracks? Mm -hmm. Because it might not be the same trail that you set up on last year. Right. That was loaded with deer. They may have moved 100 yards or 50 yards or 25 yards Mm -hmm. this year because of all those other variables. So I always try to come into the season with the most current data. I'll think about historical data, but the most current is probably the most valuable. I agree. And that's and that's what off season yeah. scouting makes it so important. Right. I mean, how many times have you ever had like you got the you got a uh, uh here's a perfect example that brought, most people can probably relate to last year. You've got uh an oak flat that's always tore up with scrapes every year and then all of a sudden last year there's no scrapes there. Mm-hmm. And it's like what the hell? There's always scrapes here. Why? Why is there no scrapes here? Like this is nuts. Well, it's because there was no nuts. The right. deer weren't there because they were on a different food source last year. Well, if you go by last year because there was no sign there last year, and you abandon that spot coming into this year, well, the sign might be back there this year because now there there'll be nuts there, and the deer will be back on that food source. So. It's just a game, man. It's, it, that's what keeps us on our toes, and that's why we if love we, it. If we knew, then we'd be way better and have more trophies on our wall, right? Right. It's just one of those things. Well, Steve, dude, we're cracking in right to the end of 200, buddy. But um, before we do so, I just want to ask you one question. Mm. What, drives, what is it? What drives you outdoors? <laughs> oh, you're a fucking asshole. Um, yeah. I knew that was coming. Yeah. Um, you know, I always bring it back to primal, man. Like it's it's just a primal instinct, and I don't think people really realize it unless you really think about it. So, like, you know, like buck fever. Like you got a buck coming in, and like you just start shaking, and your heart rate's elevated, and like your palms are sweaty, and like you just can't control your breathing. Because you're just so excited to like see that deer coming down the trail or, or the excitement you get after you, you shoot an animal and you, you know, you harvest that animal. And I mean, anybody that's ever done it before, it's an, it's a feeling that you can't, you can't really describe to anybody that's never done it. Right. Well, if you go back to like primal instincts, like thousands of years ago, when you saw that animal coming down the trail or you harvested that animal, that meant you got to fucking eat tonight. Like you yeah. got to bring it back to your village and feed your family and feed the village. And like, you're the fucking man because you, you provided with everybody. And that's what, that's why human beings survive to what we are today. So it's just, it's just like literally in my DNA from hundreds of thousands of years ago. And I don't, I can't see myself not doing it ever. I'd have to agree there, man. I like to eat, though, so the primal part of it, I enjoy it. No? Yeah, it is. Pr- oh, you know, it's funny. I was uh, hanging out up at uh, Saddle Up Saturday. Oh, I was going to ask you about weekend. that, man. Oh, it was good. Good time. You know, it's always great. Like, you know, I'm not there for the demos and stuff like that for the most part, but, like, you always find guys to bullshit with on the side and, you know, you're talking platforms and sticks and this and like, you know, just the whole, you know, geeking out on the gear side of things and just mm-hmm. meeting new people and all that stuff. But um, 
It was uh, Drew had done a like a twenty pound beef brisket. He smoked uh, Friday because I stayed up there all weekend. Yeah. So I went up Friday after work. So we had this nice beef brisket Friday night for dinner. We ate it, and of course there was a bunch left over. So then Saturday they threw a bunch of slices on the grill, and we were still eating that with hamburgers and hot dogs. And then Saturday night, me, Drew, and Nick were hanging out by the fire, the campfire, till like two in the morning, of course, and um. There was still leftover brisket, so we're just like eating brisket right out of the bag. So then they were cooking some s'mores. So I was like, <laughs> "Fuck that, dude! Put some of that brisket on that stick, man." So right. Nick puts it like three slabs of meat on the. I mean, it was already smoked; it was fully cooked. He was just right, basically warming it up, and he's just roasting it over the fire. I'm like, "Dude, this is what it's all about, man! Just th- three dudes sitting around a fire, just roasted, cooking meat over a fucking fire on a stick. You know, like doesn't get any more simpler than that." Nope. That it doesn't, dude. That's that's really what what we do it all for, honestly. That's I. That's why I mean that's why I hunt. That's why I fish to put meat in the freezer. Right. I mean that's that's the basics of it. To be honest with you, right? It was just funny because a thousand years ago there was three cavemen sitting around a fire with meat on a stick, and now it's you know twenty twenty three and there's. Three dudes sitting around a fire with meat on a stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, you know. It doesn't get so, better than that. Well, no, we made it through. Well, that. we made it through 200, bro. You know what that means. What does that mean? Next week, they can tune in for 201. 201. We're going to keep on keeping on. It just doesn't get any better than that. You know? It's just another number, bud. We just keep sending it. It's just another episode, another number. And that's that's about what it comes down to, man. That's right. Well, do you need to add anything before we close this bad boy out or what? No, I was going to ask you what drives you outdoors, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to hit you with that on a random night when you least expect it. <laughs> no, I'll answer <laughs> it anyways because it's probably the right thing to do. But, like, for me, man, it, it, it always goes back to the same thing constantly. You know, I think about it all the time because, like, you know, I get to, I get the chance. I mean, I've been very blessed with, with, you know, the things I've been able to do in my life. Like 100%, I, everything I've ever wanted to do, I get to do constantly. And to, to, you know, my dreams have all come true and so on and so forth. And everything I've ever wanted, like, as far as like my bucket list and stuff. And one of the things to me, like, you know, my job, right. It's like, bring it back to that. Like, spending time with all of these clients and customers and stuff. I mean, from day one, you know, 10 years ago when I started doing it. And you get to put a smile on the faces of young kids, older older gentlemen, women. It doesn't matter. And to share all of those experiences, I mean, it's that's really honestly what drives me. Like, the, the learning, the teaching um, you know, youth turkey season, like that, that's, you know, watching people enjoy what I got to enjoy and bring me back to what, when I was a kid of smiling and all the joys and stuff. That's what continues me to drive me outdoors. Honestly, like it's never changed for me. That's, you know, just to share this experience and what we get to do every single day, because there's so many people that like this, you know, the city kids and stuff that never get to enjoy what we get to enjoy. Like, I just don't understand how they get to live their life like that. And they don't get to enjoy, you know, the sunrises as the, you know, as the world comes alive and they'll never experience anything like that. And that's what continues to make me, you know, go outdoors, honestly. So that's what drives me outdoors. 
if you care. Hey, hey, doesn't get any better than that. No, no, it really, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. But before we end this, I just want to thank every single listener that tunes in every single week. Yeah. That's part of everything that we have to do that comes to events and visited us. And we know who every single one of you guys are. We, we talk about you guys all the time and, you know, it's it's what keeps us going. It's what keeps these podcasts coming. You know, we don't want to miss a week. We've never missed a week ever. Um, sometimes they go out later been, than they we, should. We've been close. We've been, close. <laughs> we've been real close. <laughs> um, the episodes but, go uh, out late or whatever, but like we never have missed an episode. It's two hundred weeks. Two hundred weeks that we've been putting out podcasting outdoor driving. Before that, it was East Coast bow hunting. It was every single week yeah. for a hundred and, oh shit, 190 something episodes, 200 and, yeah. I thought it was 160, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I was thinking about that the other day and, you know, n- not to pat ourselves on the back or, or, or pat yourself on the back or whatever, but like, we don't have a fancy studio, you know, we don't have, you know, we both work full-time jobs and like scheduling podcasts and all that stuff. Like there's some times where like shit gets hectic, man. Like, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Like trying to figure out a night that works for a guest and works for you and works for me. But like, we always figure out a way to get it done one way or the other. Like there's a podcast. We're going to get it out, you know? Yeah. There's a podcast, you know, like it's, it doesn't matter. We do it because we love it. We because we enjoy it. Because we want to do it, and that's and we won't stop doing it. I won't. And I, I don't. I don't care. I don't think the listeners will let us get away with it. No. I mean, how shit, many times you, you miss post one? an episode an hour late and Caps out there like, "Yo, what up, boys? Where's the episode at?" Oh, oh by the way, congratulations to Cap. Yeah, little man. I almost Cap, forgot dude. he had he had his uh, baby boy yesterday. Yep, he did. So congratulations to you and Shay. Um, with that, we got a new outdoor drive fucking member. Oh, we might have to make up some little baby swag, huh? Yeah, I know. And Justin's about to have his little one too. So uh, we might have to do that. Yeah. So, but yeah, like you said, man, it all goes back to the listeners. Like when, when the grind's on and we're in a jam trying to figure out, you know, our schedule and how we're going to get an episode out on Thursday. Like at the end of the day, it's, it's really like we do it because it's fun, but like, it's for the listeners. You know what I mean? It's for the people that are listening. Like that we don't want to let them down. Like we got to put that episode out because they're looking forward to it every Thursday. Just like we're looking forward to recording it. It's why we do it, man. Well, we appreciate everybody. We appreciate all the sponsors, all the people that have put us through to 200. Um, and we're not going to stop here, man. We have a dynamite team. A no questions asked. We have a great team that's going to bring us through our first deer season here. We went through turkey season. It was phenomenal. And then we have, a, we have our first upcoming deer season this year, man. And I'm looking forward to it. And, I, you know, I'm looking forward to another 200. I really, truly, honestly am. So for everyone else, thanks for taking the outdoor drive. And thanks for being part of the outdoor drive. <laughs>